From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. Stockton. I love this town. Most miserable city? I don't think so. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton for Friday, June 6th, 2010. I'm Manny Montez. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. We'd love to hear your comments. Leave us a message at 209-565-3229 or send them to mail at podcaststockton.com. Coming up on today's episode. Uh, Manny who? Cruising the Delta. Media Fest 2 and my interview with council member Diana Lowry. Hi, this is Wes with the Stockton Conference and Visitors Bureau coming to you from the historic Waterfront Warehouse in downtown Stockton with your Stockton Weekend Activities Guide. If you'd like to go fishing, go to the 26th Annual Fishing Derby this weekend at Oak Grove Regional Park. That's Saturday, June 5th. That starts at 6.15 in the morning and goes into the afternoon. If you'd like some live music, the 3rd Annual Waldo Music Fest will be on the banks of the Calaveras River. That's also Saturday at noon. And if you still haven't got enough doggy events this summer, check out the annual Doggy Dash. It'll be at Victory Park. It's the 14th annual event. And that's also Saturday, and it kicks off at 9 a.m. And a great food fest is this Sunday. It's the annual Jewish Food Festival. And it's uh, Sunday, June 6th from 9.30 to 3.30. And if you haven't checked out the Delta Discovery Cruise Boat in downtown Stockton, I encourage you to check it out. They'll be doing cruises to Windmill Cove for Taco Tuesdays. They'll be doing brunch cruises, wine cruises, themed cruises. Check them out. All the information is at visitstockton.org. And for more local events, be sure to check out that website, visitstockton.org. And until next time, be sure to go out there and celebrate Stockton. All right. So, uh, boy, right from the start, um, a new voice on the show, Manuel Montez. Thanks for coming on to Podcast Stockton. Well, it's great to be here, Matt. And uh, um, sorry we did not get a show out last week. There was uh, some scheduling snafus with both Rod and I. And um, this week looked like it was going to be a little bit better, but um, ended up being a little bit tougher for Rod to make it. And uh, at the last minute, his his young daughter um, hurt herself. So uh, he's tending to her. So we, we wish the best for little Kaylee. And um, uh, as a fill-in, I brought in uh, I brought in Manny. So Manny, welcome officially to the. Uh, you've been you've been to my home before, but uh, officially on the show. Right, right. Yeah, I've been here many times. Just never got to do anything here in the Outback Studios. <laughs> you've gotten to see the Outback, just not yeah. actually do anything. I finally made it to the big times. Yeah, now you get to see where the magic happens. So um, uh, some of our listeners know who you are, Manny, but uh, others still may not know who you are. And I will I'll I'll, I'll preface it by um, well I'll I'll ask the question. Manny, how did you and I meet? Well, um, I remember, uh, I think it was probably about a year ago. Um, somehow we met on Twitter, started <laughs> talking, started talking about golf. Next thing you know, there we were meeting up at Swenson. Yeah. So as I like to say, yeah, I'm, I, I met him on the internet. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of funny. <laughs> it is. I still remember when I told uh, I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to go play golf. With well, this guy that I, I met, met online. On the internet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was there with uh, my brother and my brother-in-law, and they're like, who who are we playing golf with again? And I go, it's this guy, Manuel. I, uh, I, I, I met him on the internet. So I feel like we have to do at least some kind of introduction because, uh, you know, haven't haven't had you as on as an interview guest either. So, are you are you from Stockton? Yeah, actually, uh, I was born and raised here. Um, been here all my life except for uh, the four years I was in the Marine Corps, and uh, ever since I've been back, it's it's been great to be back. And uh, you, um, in addition to being a world class golfer, um, yeah. As we as we get ready to play in the um, the uh, Stockton Stingrays annual golf tournament, and you'll be joining us there as well. We have two foursomes on a team podcast Stockton this year. Um, looking forward to that. But in addition to being a great golfer, um, w- one that I have learned a lot from, even though I, I still can't get my left arm to be as straight as yours or Mike's. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm all that great. Well, you're certainly a lot better than me. But uh, in addition to that, you're also a... Uh, uh, a pretty good photographer as well. Just recently started putting pictures online. How long have you been shooting? Um, well, photography's been uh, a long time hobby. I mean, I remember getting back into getting into photography back in high school, back when it was a Pentax K one thousand with film. You know, shooting black and white film and then developing your own prints in the darkroom. But uh, I left it alone for a little bit, and then uh, just recently, just started getting back in it and. You know, trying to do projects and and uh, see what I can get started. And uh, you're shooting what you're shooting Canon these days? No, I have a uh, <laughs> you know better than that uh, Nikon D60. I only said that because you have a Canon bag. Oh yeah, <laughs> I hey, don't think it's they right. were the only ones that put out the best bag that I could find. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with a guy that shoots Nikon but puts it in a <laughs> Canon bag. I shoot Canon. I should get your Canon bag. <laughs> And give you my piece of garbage yeah. bag. Well, when Nikon puts out a good bag, then, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll cut you a good price on, yeah. on mine. <laughs> hey, if Nikon puts out a good bag, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> so uh, you hooked up um, with a couple uh, other friends of the show, um, Pat from Elegant Essence and uh, Omar from uh, world-famous Omar Designs, and worked on a project with them, didn't you? Yeah, um, we did the uh, autism awareness um there, campaign and then we got a we got the uh the uh business women or or women in business coming up in uh in july so that that uh that ad will be out in in july sometime in july issue of san joaquin magazine oh great so that's good to see uh you getting your some of your photography out there you are a you are definitely a good photographer i'll put links in the show notes to all the places you can find um, Manny online, but of course you're on Twitter and you're on Facebook as well, right? Right, right. Um, and, and, you, I, and you have a new Twitter name. Exactly. I was just about to mention that. Uh, it's underscore Manny Montez underscore at twitter.com. So your, uh, did you do the underscore underscore because Manny Montez was already taken? Yeah. You know how it is when you try to get in too late in the game. This is something that I should have, uh, I should have picked up on this a long time ago when I first got started. Well, you've been on Twitter for a while, but your your uh, your Twitter name until recently was just Manuel Montez, right? Right. Wow. Well, cool. I, well, I kind of think that uh, Manny Montez flowed a little bit better with everything. 
Yeah, since you're now allowing us to call you Manny. <laughs> yeah, you remember that tweet when I made it official? Yeah, even though we had been calling you that for a while. Right, but it wasn't official until then. And then I even cleverly ended it with, my name is Manny Montez, and I approve this message. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> uh, great great timing on that with all the uh, rest of the political commercials <laughs> exactly. on. But also, uh, for those of the rest of you, uh, like I said, we'll put links in in the show notes, all the places you can find Manny. Um, you can also find him at manuellmontez.com. Um, great blog that you uh, you keep up to date every now and then. Um, check in on some of your uh, your personal challenges, business challenges, and your um, your your health challenges and fitness goals and all that good stuff. So uh, again, we'll put links to all the great places you can find Manny online. Thanks again for for filling in in Rod's shoes for the week. Hey, no problem, Matt. It's a pleasure. So Matt, uh, I ran into Rod this this afternoon, and uh, he mentioned something about uh, going on uh, one of the Delta Discovery cruises, and uh, uh, I think it was on Wednesday. He was aboard the Island Girl. Yeah, him and a hundred other local dignitaries, civic leaders, members of the press, business owners, and uh, I guess who's who. Although I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had no idea that this was going on. And I've been here in Stockton for a long time. <laughs> you got to be in the know, man. You got to be, you have to be on the, on the, um, on Wes's email list. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, and uh, I guess they have a, like a, a number of themes. Um, you can go on different, different types of trips or different types of cruises. Oh yeah. So they, uh, on Wednesday was the, just a, a tour around just to kind of show off that the, Delta Discovery Cruise Line is back in business in the um, in in the Stockton Delta, and they took everybody out on a short little uh, short little route. Rod said he had a great time uh, talking to people and enjoying the great day on the Delta. And yeah, they have some they have some themed cruises which sound pretty cool. Like you can go on a tropical themed cruise, a karaoke cruise, um, a blues, brews, and barbecue cruise. It's hard to say, but uh, sounds like it would be a heck of a lot of fun. Right, and and they're not that expensive. No, actually, the um, uh, from a, a price perspective, on some of the um, uh, edu- the scenic cruises are only like a three-hour cruise with a hot lunch is only fifty bucks a person. So, yeah, not not bad at all. They also have, um, boy, tell me if these don't sound fun, Manny. Taco Tuesday nights to Windmill Cove. I mean, going out to Windmill Cove on a Tuesday night and having dinner and drinks out on the boat—that sounds like a good time. Right, and uh, the weekend wine down on Sundays. Yeah, definitely go out there and have some wine. Or the uh, Friday night, uh, Friday salsa night with chitivas, salsa dancing, and uh, food aboard the thing. This I hear that's a pretty nice place to uh, to go to. Yeah, to chitivas, and this would be chitivas food out on the boat, I guess. So that uh, that sounds pretty pretty exciting. And uh, they they do have, like I said, um, they have champagne brunch cruises. And a whole host of other cruises, and they just started offering these. I'm taking off from the beautiful Stockton Waterfront Marina. Um, and like I said, I was certainly jealous that Rod got to go, and Rod got a chance to bring his his family. But uh, I was working late, so I didn't I didn't get to go. But uh, actually, weather wise, pretty lucky because it wasn't raining, and it's kind of weird to say it wasn't raining in in June. But as of late, I guess that they were lucky to not have rain. Yeah, and from what he said, he said he had a really good time. Yeah, the um, 
Uh, if you want more information on the cruises, like I said, they are now officially underway. You can, of course, go to visitstockton.org and uh, click the link for the Delta Discovery Cruises. Or you can go to their website, deltadiscoverycruises.com. This is former Delta College professor Bill Davis. You're listening to Podcast Stockton. I survived the mean streets of Moab, Utah for seven years and the rigors of Delta College for 24 years. Matt and Rod ain't got nothing on me. So on Saturday, May 22nd, Rod and I had the chance to emcee the second annual media fest at San Joaquin Delta College. It was a uh, it was a blast. Man, you should have been there. There was a lot of talented students there. This is the uh, annual program that the radio and television and um, the uh, other programs put together that are related to media. And students get a chance to show off their projects. There was some great photography. There was some great visual art. Um, there was um, some incredible um, filmmaking. And the idea was that they would show off the... The original idea was that they would premiere the movie Broadcasting Sunshine, uh, of course, friends of the show, but that's not in full production or not fully complete yet. But I, I did get a chance to see some of the um, students' film work, and I got to see a 3D film that some um, some Delta College students made. 3D film? Uh, you mean like uh, red on one side, blue on the other? You got it. You got it. They're glasses. Gla- they had glasses and everything. One of, <laughs> one of the filmmakers... Um, Alex Schutz actually had the, um, he had like, you know, they were nice glasses. They weren't paper. They were like nice, regular glasses, but they were red one and blue the other. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the movie um, was called uh, Let's Let's Play With Guns or Let's Go Play With Guns 2. And it was just these three guys sitting at home being bored and uh, they decided to to play guns. But they didn't have guns. They were just using their hands like they were playing guns. But the the film was amazing. I mean, they it was fully 3D. It was amazing in 3D. And they had the sound effects and the explosions and everything, just as if they were really holding guns. But uh, in, in 3D, you, you've done some video work, because in addition to being a photographer, you've put together some pretty good videos. Do you know anything about shooting 3D video? Oh, man, I know absolutely nothing well, about shooting in 3D. The, these students, and, they, and the, these students won... Um, I think they won the award for the most technologically advanced project, and uh, it was designed to, you know, it's supposed to be given away to the the project that that stretched the boundaries more than any. And there was, I mean, it was the talk of the entire event was this 3D film, and uh, I don't remember how long it was. Maybe it was five or six, seven minutes, something like that. But it was incredible. Not a lot of dialogue, just action and 3D. But the amazing thing was, Manny. These guys didn't know much about 3D filmmaking. They knew about filmmaking. They'd been studying it in college. But they just, they went to Google and Wikipedia and learned a little bit and, and learned the final pieces that they needed to learn to put together a 3D film with well, multiple cameras. Isn't that how a lot of us do it? Heck when yeah. there's something we don't know what we're doing, we go to a YouTube tutorial or something? That's exactly what they did. Oh, I so, know I um, do that all the time. So have you seen the video? Oh man, yeah, I did, but uh, I didn't see it with 3D glasses. But just from what I saw, I mean, uh, it looks high quality. That was some. That looked cutting edge. Yeah. So of course we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, let's play let's play guns too. Um, this great film made by Delta College students that uh, it took a lot of uh, got a lot of attention at uh, at the uh, Delta College Media Fest. Number two, uh, number two. So, um, yeah, and if you have 3D glasses, in even better. If you don't have 3D glasses, 
it's, of course, it's going to be a little blurry and you won't see the same effect. Oh, yeah. But just by looking at it, even without 3D glasses, it still looks really good. Yeah. So uh, nice job. And there was there was, you know, tons of, uh, of you know, high, high energy event at Media Fest this year, getting a chance to interact with all the students and everybody else that was there to, um, you know, end a end a great year in, in the program and uh, get a chance to see each other's work. Um, you know, and they got everybody that entered a project, they got to get critiqued by professionals that were, you know, doing, doing real work in, in, uh, in each of those fields. So it was a great event next year. Um, the date has already been set for media fest number three. It's going to be Saturday, May the 21st, I believe 2011. We got another year to go, but, uh, Hopefully Rod and I will be back. And uh, oh, and I'm definitely going to make it to that one. Yeah, definitely, ha- definitely have to go. At the end of the event was the, uh, the 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 marquee event of Media Fest Two was the was the panel discussion that Rod and I got to uh, facilitate. Yeah, the panel consisted of professionals from many forms of media, to include Charlie Simons of 101 The Wolf, Scott Linesberg, record sports writer, Tosh Jackson program director at Intravision, Doug Caldwell, editor and publisher of the Central Valley Business Times, Ben Ferrer, director of photography at Transvideo Studio, Richard Hayner, editor at Lodi News Sentinel. And in addition to them, we had Tara Cuselage, of course, the record online editor, Robert Solari from Zillion Media, Matt Marconi, a filmmaker at Top Notch Productions, Adriana Broger from KCRA, Rod Castro from ESPN, and Will, I didn't get his last name, a cameraman at, at KCRA. Um, <laughs> in, interestingly, uh, Charlie Simons from 1019 The Wolf, um, and Adriana Broger, of course, and Matt Marconi, um, and I believe Scott Linesberg, all went through the this same program at Delta. They... They are graduates from Delta. They're from the same program. So it was good to see that they've gone through the program and then actually gone on to have careers in the media. And the, the focus of the panel discussion was a little bit of kind of looking in the rearview mirror and asking about what they how they got there and then a little bit looking forward into um, what what they see in um, in the in the media. Um, and so we got to ask them a lot of questions about how they envision the, their, their industry, their respective industries changing. So we asked, you know, where is the web taking your industry and where will it be, um, you know, in the, in the future? And they, uh, we went up and down to each participant and asked, you know, they got a chance to answer, but, um, they all said a lot, a lot of the same things as it relates to the fact that the internet is where all media is going to live and people will get their, their, um, they'll get, if it's movies or if it's television or if it's radio or whatever, that they'll get that somehow delivered over the web. Um, but Doug Caldwell, who is the uh, editor and publisher of the Central Valley Business Times, his, you know, he had something that he said something that really stuck with me. Um, it, he says it's going to, the, the internet will blend all of these technologies and all of these mediums into one. And he said, at least in, in his world, the goal is, and we've heard this, you know, you and I have heard this from Apple's perspective. It's about getting in a living room. How do we get all of the, how do we get all of that stuff and technology and all of this media piped into your living room? Right. So, you know, man, I mean, how many years ago did we, you know, we, we didn't have Netflix and we didn't have the ability to, 
have televisions that streamed in internet content. So, And on that same note, Scott Linesberg of The Record reminds us that blogs were unheard of in 1988 and reminds us that businesses do change and made a point that there wasn't always home delivery of a local paper. Yeah, isn't that an amazing concept, Manny? I mean, the newspaper that we take for granted that I get on the my front porch every day didn't used to be. I mean, at some point, I, I don't know, what, what did they do before there was home delivery? Exactly. Like, can you imagine us going back to a time when there was just a, a kid standing on the corner with oh. a bag of newspapers screaming, extra, extra, read, read all, all about, about it. it. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. So that, so that's, uh, yeah, that was a... That was a definitely a good point. Um, Richard Hanner from the Lodi News Sentinel um, had a funny uh, story. He said that 12 years ago he hired a web manager, and um, the guy said uh, right after he started, he put something on his office door or something that says, print is dead. And, of course, print is, is still alive. In fact, um, he said that the dirty little secret of the newspaper business is that 90% of their revenues come from print, um, which I, I would have been, um, well, I guess, you know, I, I never thought about it, but uh, yeah, ninety percent comes from print, which means they still they still have to print a newspaper, right? Yeah. So at some point, you ask the panel about uh, what excites them about their job, and Adriana Broger, friend of the show from KCRA, says it's a front row seat to life. Yeah, and certainly uh, it's it's a good a good perspective because you get to see. Uh, all of the things you know happening in your community and and in her role at, uh, at KCRA, both uh, in in front of the camera and behind the camera, she gets to be involved in some of that. But my 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 favorite answer to that question came from Stockton Zone. Well, she's from Tracy, but she's with the record. Um, Tara Cuselage said, "Journalism is like crack," um, and I just I thought that was I thought that was awesome. And she says she gets she really gets a rush reporting to the public and. And you spend five minutes with Tara, you recognize that she has absolute passion for what she does. She also says that her her grandmother listens to the scanner, and the moment something happens in the scanner, she's calling her up saying, what's going on? What's going on? So Yeah, it's that sense of being the first one to know yeah. about what's the latest and what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, in we uh, there was a lot more questions and a lot more answers, and um, boy, I wish I would have recorded it. It would have it made a... A good uh, special segment for the interview. We will do that next year at Media Fest 3, I promise you. But um, it, it was a great event. And you know what? More than anything, Manny, what impressed me was that all, all of these panel participants um, volunteered their time. They didn't get paid to come do this. But there were 12 – actually, there was a couple of other people that there wasn't room for on the stage. So they didn't um, – you know, they they bowed out. Well, it's given back. It's yeah, given It's exactly. given back to their art. And, and all of these guys, be it they from um, – from print media, from from radio, from film, from magazines, they they came out here and spent you know quite a few of them were out there for most of the day just looking at projects and stuff. But they came back and they you know helped these students and the students were just they were thrilled. They were thrilled that these guys gave up time and um, you know gave them a little bit of insight in, into their industry. So again, if you have an interest in the uh, the world of media, then mark your calendars for. May 21st, 2011, uh, Sound King Delta College Media Fest number three. Um, I promise you, I didn't go to the first one, but uh, I got to go to the second one, and I can uh, I can tell you that um, it's uh, it, it's going to be, it'll be a lot of fun. So Manny will be there. He already Definitely, committed. definitely. Yeah, and you know what's, you know what's sad? Um, wow. 
I just looked up that date on the calendar, May 11th, 2011. That's that's too bad because you know what that day is? May 11th of, of next year? You yeah. already know what's going on next year? <laughs> yeah, it's on my calendar. May 11th. Yeah, your anniversary? 2011. Somebody once told me that that's the end of the world. Hmm. No, I thought that was December 12th uh, or no. December 21st. Yeah, I, I don't know. Somebody once somebody told me in 2007, and I put it in my calendar, that May 11, 2011. So you've um, had that in your calendar for the last three years. Yeah, I guess. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so I hope it's not the end of the world. Come out to Media Fest number three. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you can um, uh, learn more about uh, that program at deltacollegeradio.com. I'm joined live today with Diana Lowry, City Council member. Diana, thanks for joining me on Podcast Often. You are welcome. It's my pleasure. So first and foremost, tell me um, what district do you represent? Where is that district? And a little bit about your district. I, I represent District 4, which is uh, really sitting in the heart of the city now. It used to be um, the old North Stockton many decades ago, but now it's the middle of the city, just about. Uh, District 4 basically has a northern boundary of March Lane, a southern boundary of Harding, and a westernly boundary of Pershing, and an eastern boundary of um, Cemetery Lane, a little bit on Wilson Way, and then it kind of jigs and jags, and <laughs> I end up also including Filbert and Fremont Street. Oh, wow. And then it jumps entirely over District 5 and takes in Rough and Ready Island. <laughs> well, that, that is a pretty big and diverse um, diverse district. How many, how many um, people are in, in your district? Uh, there are about 41,000, I believe. Well, and uh, it's uh, on a map, I could kind of visualize it until you got to those jigs and those jags. That's, uh, that's pretty... Um, um, pretty pretty wide area, I guess I would say. Um, so you, you haven't been a city council member your whole life, obviously. So tell me a little bit, Diana, about what you did before you joined the Stockton City Council. Well, um, I am a fourth-generation Stocktonian, and on my maternal side, I'm first-generation Italian, um, daughter of an immigrant Italian on my father's side. And um, I grew up here in Stockton, uh, going to local schools, and... I have been self-employed since I was 21 years old and uh, been very active as a volunteer in my community since I was 13. And I just felt that uh, it was important to not only give back, but be actively involved in the successes that I believe Stockton could have. So you were self-employed. What, what kind of business did you, did you operate um, when I was 21, I built uh, Kinder World Montessori School in Lincoln Village West at I-5 in Bent Holt, underneath the water tower, and um, operated that for 18 years, and also had a consulting business um, part of that time. And in 1990, I, um, in 1989, I sold the school after 18 very successful years, and uh, thought I wanted to retire. And I was 39 years old oh. and spent uh, six months uh, doing, you know, uh, kind of things I thought I wanted to do and found out after six months that retirement absolutely was not something I wanted to do. 
and uh, started Diana Larry Consulting. And Diana Larry Consulting focuses on uh, business project development and public awareness campaigns. And I wrote um, Sally Save Water, the water conservation oh, yeah. education program that has won multiple statewide uh, and federal uh, national awards. So I wrote Sally Save Water, actively involved in um, producing that program for my clients for about 13 years, and uh, wrote public awareness campaigns for other clients, and uh, had a television program for two years. And I enjoy every aspect of everything I do. So um, I've really been thrilled to have all these multitudes of experiences, been, like I said, actively involved as a volunteer from age 13, reading stories at uh, the Toadstool Theater in Pixie mm, Woods. Yeah. Uh, my mom was an active volunteer and, and continues to be at age 82 wow. in our city. And she was a shining example of what it was about giving back and being a volunteer. And I took that to heart. And uh, I I think that that's so important. And what I've learned about Stocktonians, are, are there so many Stocktonians that give mm -hmm. and donate of their time? I think uh, it really works to increase the quality of life in our city. Mm -hmm. Good. So was there something, was there an impetus to get you to run for public office? And if so, what, what was that? I have always been uh, what you might say a political observer and have enjoyed uh, political science since my college days. So I was prepared, um, I think, from all of my life experiences, my business background, my community service background, and my public service background, because I also served as a City of Stockton Planning Commissioner for eight years, and I was also a gubernatorial appointee. So my public service, my community service, and my business background, I think, brought a lot of unique talents for me to... Um, hopefully serve the city. So what have you learned about being, um, or what have you learned about the, the city of Stockton um, since you've been on the council? Any, anything that has surprised you? Well, as a council member, one of the things that um, I probably found that, um, I, I'll say on a daily basis, bugs me the most, <laughs> is that things move much slower then I would like them to move at City Hall. And that's just the nature of governmental work versus private industry mm -hmm. and private business work. So uh, I think that one thing that has been good is that I've had an opportunity to share my message of a little bit of changing the culture of thinking within City Hall. And so City Hall will never run as a business. It's a government entity. It's never going to and never intended to be. But we do have the beginnings of thinking differently at City Hall and a different culture of thinking, I think, is critical in this time, in this economic uh, crisis that we are in. Can I tell you one more thing that I, I found about uh, being council member? Sure. <laughs> um, what I found is this was advertised to be a part-time position, and <laughs> I spend over 60 hours a week as a council member, and I currently no longer take clients. So, That's how busy I am. So the, the role of, of a city council member is advertised as a part-time gig? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even find that surprising. 
Diana, what are you most proud of, um, of one of your accomplishments since you've joined the council? Well, I'm fortunate enough to have been, like I said, very busy <laughs> and putting in lots of hours. So I think I have a few things. Uh, um, certainly, uh, along with my fellow council members, the Local Hire Initiative, which uh, focuses on hiring uh, local individuals from Stockton zip codes on, um, on building projects. And that's super important for all of us. Uh, one thing that we can never get enough of here are jobs. Mm -hmm. So the local hire initiative. Um, also, I'm program chair for VISTAs, Volunteers in Service to Aid, Stock Aid Stockton. And it has uh, been created uh, by the mayor and I to be a vehicle so that Stocktonians can go to uh, StocktonGov.com and click on the VISTAs website link and find uh, volunteer tasks that need to be accomplished at City Hall. And it also serves as um, an opportunity for other nonprofits to list what they need uh, in respect to volunteer tasks. There on the website, there is a button that says other opportunities and nonprofits can go there and list what they need to have done for their nonprofits. So it not only serves the city of Stockton in respect to what tasks we need at City Hall to have accomplished, but it also serves other nonprofits. And VISTAs, we have found this past year, has been very important to help facilitate large group days of service. Mm -hmm. There have been a variety of churches that have um, organized days of service, and we as a city help select tasks for them that they ask us what needs to be done. We select tasks. We provide them with the organization for the dumpsters and garbage bags and whatever else they need to do. So uh, I have a volunteer executive coordinator, and we work real hard to be able to facilitate whatever needs are in the community through uh, groups' days of service. The Ports Baseball is planning one even in June. And oh. so um, we're working with them right now because they have a fan-based uh, day of service coming up. And we had over 1,000 uh, volunteers in one project last August that helped immensely cleaning up March Lane. And that was very important also. Adopting parks, adopting schools. Uh, we have um, over 60 parks. And uh, we have about a dozen ad parks adopted now. So we have plenty of parks to go around. And we'll mm -hmm. look forward to people coming forward to adopt a park. All right. So what challenges do you face sitting on the council? Well, clearly right now the challenge is that um, the checkbook at City Hall uh, doesn't have much in it. Mm -hmm. And so spreading what the money that we do have around to make the uh, city run the best that it possibly can is the biggest challenge. And do you, uh, is there a way out of this? Is this... Um, is this a catastrophe like some would, would have us think? Or um, is this just a waiting game to till the economy improves and we get more tax dollars? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, 
as I tell people, this is not just Stockton's problem. This is not just California's problem or the nation's problem. This is an international problem, and it has been for a few of the past years since this all began. It was never just an isolated problem. So collectively, uh, we need to get out of this, and we will. And I think that uh, we just need to continue to focus, do everything we can at City Hall to engage businesses, to look at Stockton, to come to Stockton. We need to provide incentives. We need to cut the red tape. And we need to uh, let people know that we are actively working on that. And uh, one thing I've been working on is uh, starting to uh, a, a micro-loan revolving loan uh, program, which will allow new businesses, small businesses that have not had the opportunity to uh, get loans at banks that will be able to apply uh, for a small micro loan through the city. And that will provide jobs. It's not ready. It hasn't quite gone to council yet for a full approval, but it is something that um, our economic development department is working on. How is that funded? Um, through CBDG funds. Which is With, uh, well, they're funds that will only be allowed to function in a certain capacity, so it f it falls under that category. Okay, those these these are um, dollars from the city, or are they coming in from the state? No idea. Well, I think those funds come from both state and federal. Okay, okay. So, what what are your major initiatives right now on the city council? Um, right now, we focus on jobs, the economics. I mean, it takes precedent over everything because um, if we can't get our community engaged in working, it creates a, a, a slippery slope for uh, what we don't want to see. And I don't think that that's what's going to happen. We're working real hard. And like you say, is it a waiting game? To a certain extent, it is, because uh, we have to get uh, people spending locally so those tax dollars stay here, so the tax dollars um, become part of the solution. And we believe that we can make that happen with the local hire initiative. I think that is a piece to the solution. And you can see pockets in the United States starting to have recovery in, in certain areas. So I think that Stockton certainly will become part of that. Uh, it's just a matter of time. But we need to be focused as a city and prepared to um, engage immediately when that economy comes back. And I, I think that we owe it to the citizens to be ready. So you, you talked about jobs being very important in Stockton. and before jobs start coming or before a larger employer start moving in, there has to be some groundwork. And how will how will Stockton residents know that we're headed in the right direction before we start attracting large employees and uh, large employers? Well, the fundamentals of attracting large businesses to come here are looking at two pieces. Certainly, our permits are we competitive to other cities and our costs that we ask people to pay for permits. Um, also, is it a safe city? We need to be safe and uh, we need to have uh, businesses look at our community 
And consider that it is, Stockton is a large city. Uh, we have the same problems that other large cities have. And yes, we have crime issues, but so do other cities. And so people need to keep that in perspective, but we also have to be very mindful that public safety is a quality of life issue that is critically important. And when new businesses look at Stockton, one of the elements that they look at is the quality of life and the public safety. In addition, education. Students need to stay in school. I always feel like um, when I talk to people, I tell them, City Hall has a, a responsibility. One of our responsibilities is to do the best that we can to engage businesses to come to Stockton and provide jobs. Families, on the other hand, have a responsibility here. They have to keep their students in school in order for them to be educated to accept those jobs when the businesses come because we can't have businesses and HR look at Stockton and say, well, the workforce doesn't meet the level of uh, employee we need. Mm -hmm. That is something that I can't fix mm -hmm. by myself. Right. Families need to help fix that. And so it's about us working together to make sure that Stockton is prepared as a city to engage those businesses as they look at us. Great. So you also had some success with the University Neighborhood Renaissance Program. What can you tell me about that? I am personally excited about the University Neighborhood Renaissance Program. It is the first one in the city of Stockton. We hopefully will have more in the future, but our neighborhood was selected to have the first one. And what we did as a city, we invited anyone that was interested that lived in a geographical area to come and uh, find out uh, how they could participate. And over a year, these interested individuals worked with a consultant to find out how to um, analyze their neighborhood, how to create their priorities uh, that they felt, the neighbors themselves felt should be the priorities of the area. And then uh, basically how to select a board, a governing board, and how to work with the city to uh, facilitate the objectives that they themselves came up with. So I started off uh, being one of those neighbors that was interested in uh, being involved and ultimately ended up during this process becoming the city council member to represent the whole area. And um, I still attend and we have a city representative uh, from um, the Neighborhood Renaissance Program from the city of Stockton that goes to the meetings also. And we basically let the neighbors facilitate all the meetings. They select their priorities. One of their priorities, for instance, that they decided on was that they wanted more festivals in the area, on the mile. They wanted more festivals on the Miracle Mile. So that's happening. Mm -hmm. They are working uh, to facilitate those. And I at City Hall tried to do what I can to help them facilitate what they consider a priority for this area. So it's a very unique combination of um, City Hall 
and the neighbors working intimately together. Basically, I try to attend every meeting, so there's an opportunity to have a, a mini town hall experience with the council member every month. And uh, District 4, uh, the University of Miracle Mile area, meets uh, the last Thursday of every month. So uh, it's a good thing. It's a very good thing, and we're real proud of that. Great, and the intent is hopefully at some point in the future roll this out into other neighborhoods within Stockton? Yes. Uh, in fact, initially, the thought was that there should be about 40 of these uh, neighborhood renaissance programs. And, of course, the budget has uh, curtailed that greatly. However, uh, the council has decided that this is a priority issue for us to examine to see how we can continue at least... Um, beginning another one. And it is going to be a slower process than what our initial desire is, was, but we don't want to um, let the whole idea escape. And we do hope that it'll be something that within the next year we'll be able to start another one. Great. So one way that we might see the city move forward is to have strong partnerships between private business and the city government. What's the city of Stockton doing or what has the city of Stockton done in that regard? Well, I'm very proud of um, the Pacific Avenue Median Project. It's uh, an example of public-private partnering. And when you uh, consider that many projects are not happening due to the economic situation that we're in, we have to look for new ways to do business. And uh, one of the new ways that uh, City Hall is doing business that they have not done in the past is by public-private partnering. And an example is the Pacific Avenue Median, which is a public works project. To my knowledge, City Hall has told me that historically no one can think of uh, a public works project that has happened through a public-private partnership. And what it will be is um, on the Pacific Avenue uh Miracle Mile area between Harding and the Calaveras River. Uh, basically, the entrance uh, points to the Miracle Mile. One of the visions that you see as you go south on Pacific Avenue from uh, over the Calaveras River, if you look at the overpass, it's decrepit. It's broken concrete. It's uh, very uninviting. And it does not look like uh, anything would that would economically uh, stimulate an economy or invite people to come shopping or walking or going to a restaurant in that area. So I asked Public Works how much it would cost to recreate that median and uh, create a design, basically entrance to the area. And uh, they came back with a figure that uh, immediately I knew we couldn't handle. And uh, the public works director said, I'm sorry, Councilmember Lowry, there's no way that we can do this. And I said, well, wait a minute. There are many ways that we can look at doing this project. I don't give up that easily. And I said, I believe that the University of Pacific probably would be very interested. It's right outside their door. And I think we need to engage them in conversation and see if they are interested in partnering with the city to enhance this area. 
and create a destination location marker for the area. And uh, after months of discussion uh, in general about the topic, when we met with the university, they understood it immediately. And we were very proud to be able to partner and uh, they came forward, the university came forward with a $86,000 check to work mm. on the design components of that median project. So they are definitely engaged in their community, not only in their actions, but also monetarily. And the city, for their part, is searching for grants. And we just applied for one that we hope to find out. It won't be until the latter part of October. But we have submitted an excellent application, in my opinion. <laughs> and I am looking forward to it being funded because um, this is exactly what we need to move the city forward, public-private partnerships. Another example I'm proud of is on March Lane, where many of us know how unattractive parts of March Lane look. Uh, we have segments of March Lane where the grass is dry and the dirt is barren. The land looks totally unkept. And East Bay Mud has that right of way. But um, we as a city would like to be able to not only engage East Bay, East Bay Mud in partnering with us, but I and uh, city staff have approached other partners on how we can beautify some of that area. And an example of public-private partnering, again, that I created was with Delta Bluegrass. Delta Bluegrass is a local entity that has stepped forward to uh, donate almost two acres of native California grasses. So we are uh, also engaged in uh, conversation with other uh, private companies in regard to irrigation, because one of the challenges there is that there is no irrigation. So it's costly. The ground needs to not only be, you know, uh, there's a word for it that escapes me right now, but the need, the land needs to be worked and then irrigation needs to be laid. So we are working um, in conversation with uh, some important names that you would recognize to see if from a corporate perspective, they wouldn't want to be engaged in this. And this is the way public-private partnering with the city works so that we can move forward in ways that we maybe would not be able to in this economic time. So I ask the department heads at City Hall to think about a new culture of thinking. And a new culture of thinking is not saying, no, we can't do it. It's how can we do it? Where are the stakeholders? How can we engage businesses to work with us to make things happen? Great. Okay, so now time for the famous final four, the same final four <laughs> that everybody gets for coming on to Podcast Stockton. Um, first and foremost, you kind of answered already, I believe, but how long have you been in Stockton? All my life. That's 60 years. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you to give away your age, although earlier you said your age and something, you could do the math. Um, so you never, never left Stockton and came back? Um, did... Um, I um, went and did extended learning uh, classes at UC Davis, but um, that was my extent. Of, I lived in Italy for three months at okay. one point in my life and um, enjoyed traveling still to this day. So what do you like about Stockton? 
You know, I like the people. I think we have a very friendly city. I enjoy um, meeting people all the time. I think we have a great community. The weather's wonderful. People are nice. I think that I particularly enjoy the small businesses that we have the opportunity to have on the Miracle Mile, for instance. And um, you have owners that are there and you can engage with the business owner I think that's pretty special. I think we have a lot of those locations in Stockton where we have business owners on site on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I think that's special. Yeah, certainly on, on the mile, there's there's a lot of that, which makes it special, I would Absolutely. Agree. And what is your favorite Stockton memory? Cruising down the Miracle Mile in high school. <laughs> That was lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, riding my bike to El Dorado School. Riding my bike to Stockton Junior High. Um, going down, walking, and riding my bike down to uh, Foots Variety and buying candy. <laughs> lots of it. <laughs> nice, nice. So when you're not uh, um, working hard as a city council member, what do you like to do for fun in Stockton? My husband and I enjoy going out to dinner with friends. We uh, frequent many restaurants. Uh, we like to go to the movies. We like to go to plays. Um, we like entertaining. Uh, I like playing with my granddaughter, who's two and a half. Um, that's it. Good. And Stockton, you know, has so much to do. I don't think that there's ever enough time to be able to go to all the events. If you really get an events calendar of Stockton. I don't want anyone to tell me there's nothing to do in this city because there's so much <laughs> to right. do that you can't possibly engage in everything that there is going on. Uh, if you don't think there's anything to do in Stockton, get an events calendar for the week. Yes. I promise you, you will see many, many things. And, and not all things that you have to pay for. Let me say that. There are mm-hmm. many free events happening in the community every weekend. Yeah, good. Well, Diana, thank you again so much for your time um, for coming on the podcast, Stockton. You are very welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton. Uh, I want to thank uh, my fill-in co-host for the week, Manny Montez. Thanks for coming on the show. And also a uh, big thanks to Diana Lowry for uh, giving me some of her time. If you have comments for the show, you can leave us a message at 209-565-3229 or send us an email at mail at podcaststockton.com. Find us on Facebook and YouTube, username Podcast Stockton. Follow me on Twitter, username Podcast Stockton. And me at underscore Manny Montez underscore. And Rod at username RJ Gomez for links to all the things we talked about on today's show. Be sure to visit us at podcaststockton.com. Until next time, make it great, Stockton. Nice job, man. You, you did that. You did that perfect. If you did it as if you listened to the show before. Many times. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>